In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. St. Paul tells the church in Rome, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is no dead word. It is a living and powerful means that works, multiplies, and and preserves faith in Jesus Christ in the hearts of those who believe him. Many, unfortunately, do actually resist the word, and the saving power of the gospel is thwarted in them. Our Lord, in the parable of the soils in Luke chapter 8, shows us three examples of how we thwart the word that is sown. And he also shows us what happens when we get out of our own way as the seed of the word falls on receptive hearts that bear fruit in hearing and believing the word. As the sower sowed his seed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Our Lord says, these are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. It is hearers like these who despise the truth that is preached to them. Their hearts are so hard that nothing may grow there except for contempt for Christ. These are hearts that will bear no fruit. Our Lord continues, Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. These, our Lord says, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. See how quickly the seed of the word initially opens up among them. They have what is sometimes called monk's fervor. When a postulant in a monastery shows up and wants to become a monk, they usually like to show the other monks just how zealous they are for this way of life, so they go at it at about twice the speed as the rest of them, or work twice as hard or even harder to show that they really mean it. And ultimately, if you keep this up, you're going to burn out at some point. And that's usually what happens. They end up wanting to shuck the prayer book, shuck the work, shuck everything, and just kind of sit around in their room and do a whole lot of nothing. And that's another problem called acedia, something that all of us face at one time or another, just flat-out sloth, laziness, not wanting to do what we are given to do. These are the ones who are tempted by the devil, and they no longer love their first love. So it is with hearts that do not allow the seed to take root. Temptation and persecution come their way, and when the going gets tough, they run from the hard times and seek other gods or other ways of salvation. The seed quickly withers and bears no fruit. Jesus continues, Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. These are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Some who begin to believe Jesus is Lord make a good start because, as the scriptures say, we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. What often happens with this type of soil, though, is the Lord brings physical blessings to them. 
Once these blessings, whether it's a random windfall of money or a sudden inheritance of property, begin to build up, then over time, they gain love of the world again. They forget the giver of the gifts and instead worry about getting more gifts. They wonder how you can get more property, more money, uh, more stocks, more cares of the world. Maybe the seed will for a time struggle together with the thorns and attempt to bear fruit, but ultimately that fruit, along with the whole plant itself, will be choked off by thorns. So why does our Lord in this parable give us three examples of hearts that bear no fruit? Because that's how it is when his word is sown. We often want to turn this parable into at best a farm report or at worst agricultural shenanigans. We start asking ourselves questions when we hear this parable and preachers are not immune to it. What can I do to improve my soil? Can I add some potash to it? Uh, Can I fertilize it in some way? Well, what can I do then to the seed to make it bear fruit in harsh circumstances? Perhaps I could change seed companies. Perhaps I could go with another sort of seed. Or could I fix my planter in such a way that it will plant the seed in the field just a little bit deeper or a little bit shallower? I can make that adjustment. What about irrigation? I can always pipe in water and water the plants even more. What Jesus is concerned about here in this parable, beloved, is not about agricultural ways of doing things. He is worried about the condition of your heart, the soil of your heart. 75% of those who hear the word in our Lord's parable do not bear fruit. That's just the way it is. It's not the fault of the sower, for he sows the seed. His sowing looks reckless to our eyes, but he's not concerned about where it falls. He sows. He will not put down his knapsack when he finishes sowing and, upon the end of his chore, stand out in the middle of the field and say, Grow! He will not go out there every day and yell at the seed to grow. Because if he did, there are some gentlemen in white coats who drive a van who may wish to take him to a place where he can chill out for just a little while. I cannot come to your home. I cannot follow you home tonight because I cannot be in two places or more than two places at once. I'm not going to be coming to your house anytime soon, either tonight or tomorrow or any other day, to come into your house and yell at you, Grow! After you have heard the word that is sown from this pulpit. Otherwise, you too would think that I need to go with the men in the white coats into the van to the place to chill out for just a little while. But yet we preachers are the kind of folks that want to do that sort of thing. We sow the word and think if we come to your house and henpeck you enough, something is going to happen. It is not the sower's fault that the seed bears no fruit. Neither is it the fault of the seed. Jesus even tells us the seed is the word of God. And Isaiah says in today's Old Testament reading, 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If there is one thing that has changed so much, developed so fast, In the nearly 21 years I've been as a pastor, it is the fact that more and more people are turning their back, not only on our Lord Jesus Christ, but his word and his church. It's happening very fast, especially among people who are younger than I am, who are in the next generation below me and younger. Many of these people had the word implanted in them by going to church, by sitting in pews, just like this one, by going to Sunday school, just like we offer here, even in those churches that practice confirmation, by going through confirmation instruction. In the case of us, Luther's small catechism, learning the very basics of the Christian faith. And then something happens to this child when they become a teenager or when they get sent off to college, if they choose to go to college. They face the world. And to our eyes, it seems as if the word of God takes about last place in their life before everything else comes before it. And before you know it, they have pretty much deconstructed their faith and have found our Lord Jesus in the pans, the scales of justice, wanting. They will go someplace else to get any sort of spirituality, if they even believe in spirituality, by the time they're done turning their backs on their Lord. Perhaps it's happened in your family, with your children, or grandchildren, or other relatives. Perhaps it's happened with siblings in your family, As a pastor, there are even days when I wonder if I stand up here and talk and tell you about Jesus and preach Christ crucified to you, whether or not it's worth everything that I go through each week to prepare a sermon, to meditate on the Word of God, to teach Bible studies, to teach our young people. Is it worth it? Will anyone care? Will there even be a church left to which our Lord says, oh, yes, there will be. And even more so, when I have those days and when you have those days, don't run, sprint, sprint to God's word and open it up to Isaiah chapter 55 and read these words again. The seed that is sown in the soil of the heart of the people who hear it, will not return to him void. It shall purpose for the thing in which he sends it. Now it may be a long time or it may be a short time. The child, the sibling, the friend, the relative may have as we say in Southern Illinois, a come-to-Jesus moment. And when they have those moments in their life, 
they will discover that everything that they have decided to put in place of this word has failed them. Perhaps they will go and look for more of it, thinking if I get more of this, I can crowd out the word even more. Or ultimately, will the seed that is implanted in them by hearing the word, and faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Perhaps at last, it will find a receptive heart. Our Lord rejoices in this parable over a 25% success rate in the sowing of his word. Now to our eyes, that's pretty rotten. 25%, one out of four. Yet he rejoices. The word of God is living and active, says the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews. And the prophet Jeremiah continues by saying, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Because that seed that is the word of God gets sown into pretty ugly soil. And the word does the work. The word alone does the work. It can break up hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, and make it receptive ground where the seed that is sown will bear fruit 100-fold. The thing about it is, beloved, we often stand in our own way to let the Word do it. We overthink it. We underthink it. Or we don't think about it at all. When we get out of our own way, though, And that seed gets put into our ears and it gets planted in the soil of our heart. It will not return to our Lord void. It shall prosper for the thing in which he sent it. We have not a spiritless word, nor do we have a wordless spirit. All these things happen, our Lord says, with patience. They bear fruit with patience. Patience, you see, is the hard part. Alan Kreider writes in his book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, that the fall of Adam and Eve was marked by human impatience. Our Lord's purposes are unhurried and they are unstoppable. In our Lord Jesus, patience is implanted in us and grows when and where God wills it. Not when and where you will it or anybody else wills it, especially the pastor. Patience is a distinctive sign of the Christian. The old Adam in us wants everything right now and it's already too late. Maybe that's why pastors like me tend to be very impatient people. We want you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And we get very impatient about it because we forget that sometimes it takes the word a while to take root and to bear fruit. Jesus, you see, plays the long game. He knows that this is a marathon and not a sprint. He sows the seed of the word in hearts. 
and he changes hearts into receptive soil when and where he wills it. And he brings the bearing of fruit a hundredfold among that receptive soil. 25% success rate, so what? There is joy when the word bears fruit. You and I can do nothing about it. The word itself, even beloved, will help us get out of our own way. So that that word may find a home. Only the word changes hearts. Only the word does the work. But it doesn't do it on our time. The word is patient. The word is long-suffering. There's a word we don't use a lot in the English language, long-suffering. Meaning it will deal with a whole lot of crap and still hang on. The word also will bear abundant fruit in God's good time. The word alone, beloved, does it all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You may stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let us sing the creed.